This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and this episode of Something Rather Than Nothing is being recorded on occupied native lands in the state of Oregon, in the city of Albany uh, that belonged to the Kalapuya tribe. You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. Here to welcome uh, Clear uh, Zwicker, uh, teacher, beadwork artist. Clear, uh, glad to welcome you to the program. Hi, Ken. Thank you so much, Anine. Uh, I just wanted to say that I am recording in Tecoronto, which is the Mohawk term for the place where the trees stand in water. And they are the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm actually going to attempt <laughs> to give my introduction in Anishinaabe Moen. Bizania Wawashkeshkwe Nindijnikaz, Wabineshi Nindodem, and Minjikining Nindonjaba. So what I said there was, my name is Peaceful Deer Lady, I'm of the Martin clan, and I'm from the Minjikining First Nation, or Williams Treaty Territory. Uh, a little bit more about me, as Ken said, I am a teacher, a bead worker, um, I'm a student actually right now. I'm taking my master's of education and social justice work at the University of Toronto. Um, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> clear. That's that's where where you are now within the program. A lot of times uh, we 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 go back and uh, just try <laughs> to find out, you know. Um, both, you know, with your interest in education and uh, your interest in art and, and your beadwork, mm -hmm. can, you, can you mention or talk a little bit about what you were like when you were younger and whether you were always interested in art or is that something mm -hmm. that developed over time? Yeah, so I, I guess I've always been coloring and drawing and painting like, you know, a lot of <laughs> children do. But I actually started more out um, in sports. Uh, my parents, <laughs> when they realized how much energy I had, they actually put me in gymnastics. And I feel like a lot of people don't know this about me right now because um, it's not really on my social media. But I've been a gymnast since the age of three. And as early as the age of nine was in the gym training close to 30 hours a week. So <laughs> I didn't actually have much time for creating or other things because it would be I would go to school every day and then I would come home, have a snack, and then I would go off to training until like literally 8.30 p.m. at night. And then I would come home and do my homework, eat dinner, and then go to bed, wake up and do it all over again. So I think uh, sport actually consumed the first half of my, my youth. And then it wasn't until really high school where I was like, do I only ever want to be doing gymnastics like I I didn't really get the chance to socialize with my peers because I I didn't have time like Friday evenings Saturday mornings I would be training um so I took a break from gymnastics actually for about three four years um and that's when I really started to explore 
just other areas and art was one of them and I took art all throughout high school and yeah that's kind of where my love from art came from um as well as through um I guess my family too my my grandmother draws uh my uncle can draw um and the other side of art um which would be music uh, my I've been surrounded by music uh, my whole life, essentially. My mom is a singer and guitar player. My, so is my brother. My sister sings uh, and plays piano. Um, and so did my grandfather and my uncle. So I think I, I, I have always been surrounded by art, but it's just always taken on um, different forms, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, I'm it's great to hear about you know some of the other background and the you know the energies and and mm-hmm. that 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 you had your parents <laughs> you know with your energy said okay gymnastics I I was thinking running gymnastics or running uh, you know yeah, for you when yeah. you're when when you were younger tell us about um uh, tell us about your um work your 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 bead work and how you came to that and. Mm-hmm. Just your just your practice around that, learning that, developing that um, mm-hmm. that that art. Yeah, well, it actually has been a rec- a very recent journey for me. Um, just a few years ago, my sister taught me how to be my first pair of earrings, and it's actually funny because out of my mom, my sister, and my brother. I'm the last one to to learn <laughs> how to bead, and they're younger than me. <laughs> So, yeah, my sister really got me uh, into it because she has uh, been kind of into art and beadwork um, longer than I have. Um, And then from there, uh, you know, because I'm in university, I have the like I have access to all these amazing programs through school and especially programs that are being put on by, you know, indigenous centers now at universities. So. Uh, one of my colleagues brought her aunt in to do a beading workshop where we learned how to bead medallions. And, you know, I just, I, when I beaded my first one, it, it felt so, like, so natural to me. And I'm so used to, um, I guess, exerting energy or, you know, finding calmness through sport. But, you know, I learned through beading that, I could find a, a kind of like inner peace through creating as well. Um, and, and it came quite natural to me, right? And this is where we talk about, you know, blood memory. Like, what is blood memory? Well, it, it felt like I had been beating my whole life, you know, because I've been taught that when we're born, we're born with all the knowledge of our ancestors. You know, it runs through our blood. So, um, yeah, so since then, that was when I started my master's actually. So two years ago, I really started to pick up beading more. And then I, you know, I wanted to share it with more people. And so I, I put on a beading workshop at school, um, you know, to teach other indigenous students. Cause I just wanted to share what I had known, even if it's just a small amount right now. Um, I don't really call myself an artist or see my, I don't know, see myself as, you know, a bead worker. It's just something that I do because it brings me joy. It brings me peace. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how I, 
how I like to look at my work. Yeah, and I know that, well, the thing is, now that you're on the podcast and the artist podcast, you're both, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's that, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're um, an artist now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you know that 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 does it. Um, can you can you can you? Uh, and, and I know I know that you have a a, a deep love of of literature, uh, you know, learning, uh, you know, social justice, and and you know, connection um, uh, to your people and some of the influences as far as um, you, your discussion around uh, doing the bead work. Do you have particular, um, you know, outside of your family, um, artistic influences in, in either of those realms or, or artists that really c- kind of compel you um, to create? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the first one that comes to mind would be Chief Ladybird uh, or Nancy King. Chief Ladybird is her art name, but she's actually from the same reserve as I am. And um, she has quite the following on social media, so I don't think her name will uh, come as a surprise to anybody. But I, I just, I like her, just the way she views art in the way that in our culture, we don't, like in Anishinaabe Moen, we don't have a word for art. I think that was, you know, created by Europeans as you know, something uh, as a label that we don't really, yeah, we just, we don't have a word for it. Um, so she has, you know, when, when we've talked before about art, she talks about how she creates and what she creates comes from her heart. It, it comes from the land. It comes from her ancestors and it, it comes from spirit. So that's kind of how I, um, view my art as well is that I don't ever bead with any intention or, or plan. I just, what I bead, I bead what I feel, <laughs> whatever yeah. I'm feeling that day or, or if I'm beading for someone, I bead with their, their spirit and mind and, you know, and, and what colors come to me when I, when I think of them. Um, and another artist that has, um, that has the same kind of philosophy around art uh, is Monique Aura, and I've done some paint workshops through school, and um, you know, they are really much about the same thing, like not calling themselves an artist, um, and 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 saying that they are a creator of of things, or they're a visual storyteller, um, and they also taught me a lot about how to let go of perfectionism in in creating because I think that's been a huge barrier for me with why I don't do a lot of painting or drawing anymore is because I feel like I need to create this perfect image of something um and it I I take so long (laughs) to to do things because I have this like pressure to perform that you know was bred through me basically as a gymnast um so I really appreciate their teachings and, and letting expectations go essentially and, and just creating for, for yourself, for your spirit. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned as far as with the sport and of course, uh, with gymnastics, right. I mean, you want to land the 10.0, right. Land the 10, <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. That was the old system, but it's still the same. Like 
everything you do, like every tiny thing, they are watching you and they're taking away points. It's not even a positive system that lifts you up. It's like, oh, you had a flexed foot or a bent knee, like we're taking points away from you. And that's probably been part of the mental thread that you've had to work with on the perfection. Yeah, as you mentioned. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Ab- ab- absolutely. Um, so I, w- I was wondering, uh, Claire, if you, if you could mention, you, you know, with the, with the, you know, everybody's talking about, uh, 20, 2020, you know, very <laughs> negatively. Yeah. And I think, I think yeah. the, the, the history of 2020 is more complicated with a lot of positive, uh, mm. developments amongst mm-hmm. the negative as well. But, um, you know, for, for you know, for you as a person, you as you as an artist, I I've talked to a lot of artists, and they feel that um, either there there there's more pressure, or maybe question mm-hmm. like, why am I doing art? Why am I creating things? You know, right. where a lot of people asking these type of questions, and for, for for you, what do you think the role of art? You know pandemic, uh, you know, racial protests, um, mm-hmm. other other fractures and changes in society. Do you think art has a different role right now or is it is it just kind of what you go back to like you have? Well, How does it feel for you? Mm. Honestly, art or, you know, beating um, has been really healing for me in this time. Um, I'm a very anxious person and I don't like inconsistency (laughs) and that is, you know, the pan with the pandemic, things have been very inconsistent. Um, I was, you know, out of a job for a while and beating was really the only thing I had to keep me sane because, um, well, I was running at the beginning of the pandemic, but I actually, um, broke my ankle. So, then I, I wasn't able to, um, you know, get my energy out uh, through that way, and that's one of my coping mechanisms. So I turned to I turned to beadwork, and I actually created my business uh, during the pandemic, and it's been my only source of income. And I think that it's brought me so many beautiful things. It's brought me like this online community that are beyond my wildest dreams because before. Um, you know, growing up and especially on social media, there's all these negative representations and stereotypes of indigenous peoples and, you know, in education and social media, I never saw myself or my culture reflected back at me until now, really, until I found this whole universe of, you know, other create indigenous creators online and it blows me away. The things that are happening, um, and the resilience, really, um, all of us continuing um, our, our, our practices and the things that bring us joy and the things that, you know, bring us together and especially in disrupted, disrupting racism. Uh, you know, we all know that with the pandemic, it affects marginalized populations more than um, non. So... Um, and you see with even the images now um, with, you know, I see a lot of indigenous peoples painting these gorgeous masks and that, you know, that itself is a representation and uh, a message, you know, to protect our communities, so to protect our people. So in a lot of cases, I see 
the pandemic bringing, you know, people closer together, even though it's online. And yeah, like you said, like, you know, it's been up and down, it's been negative and positive. Um, there's been a lot of death. It's, it's been, a, it's been a lot to process. And, you know, a lot of people might think like, oh, well, like, why are you stressed? You're just at home, like doing nothing, essentially, like, you, you know, you shouldn't have a care in the world right now. But right, I think right. the opposite is true. And that, you know, like, I am worried for my community, um, especially my Afro Indigenous kin, you know, um, and everything coming up in the media with Black Lives Matter, and police violence, and how many, and just like realizing how many, um, indigenous and, and black lives we we lose on a daily basis um and art is just one of the ways you know one of the tools we use to share our our voices yeah and and i i think that's so well put as far as you know the the art that that's coming out and it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. like strictly like protest art but it's 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 fascinating mm -hmm because everybody ends up in, impacted by large events. Most everybody ends up yes. impacted by large events. And then there's yep. this um, shifting in, in adaptation. And um, I, it, it can be uh, fascinating and scary what's depicted, but like you yes. had, you had said, as far as with your beating, I mean, sometimes we think of art uh, in the sense of what, you've produced and what goes into the market and what has value in the market when yes, yes. for the artist, you know, you doing the beadwork that the, the therapy and the medicine is there and there's yes. this other piece to it, but it's just serving different purposes. Yeah. That that's why we have the hashtag beading is medicine. But yeah, I think if you look at art historically or art relating to indigenous peoples, we're either, um, non-existent like not present from art like in Canada we have like famous artists like Emily Carr or the big seven who paint these images of Canada as this empty vast wilderness and and this idea that indigenous peoples never existed uh, that Europeans came to this you know empty land for uh, for settling and I think I'm seeing a lot now uh, especially around the topic of land and um, art and representations of land in art uh, by Indigenous peoples that counter that narrative, that counter that trope that uh, Canada or Turtle Island was a vast emptiness um, for the taking and lost my train of thought no i was thinking about the, the, <laughs> the well the, the intersectionality of in part of when i, I mm. talked to um uh, jordan marie brings three white horses daniel um mm, yeah uh, episodes back and i i told her i mean she mentioned during the episode where she was talking about uh, missing and murdered indigenous women but yeah in a very short order like I began to understand how it was connected to water rights, 
to fracking, to questions yeah. about land use, to, yeah. you know, and, and all these, it was all collected there. And I didn't see how all that, how all that right. happened. And right. I followed up with her and said, Oh, wait a second. It's this piece, this piece, this piece, and that piece. And yeah. I think that's where it ties deep, um, uh, yeah. deep into the history. And I know you've had, um, I know you've been uh, in, involved in, in, in some of, in some of that work. Um, I got a question here um, that you, you might have gotten at, but I don't want to assume you, your answer. Mm-hmm. Um, who or, or what made you who you are? <laughs> this question is, uh, it's difficult because to pin it down to, to one thing, you know, um, I can't really, but I would say, like, it's just been my experiences and you know, the people that surround me, my, my mom is a huge influence on me, my family, you know, my brother, my sister, uh, teachers I've had, um, I would say my most recent teachers, because in my master's, I've been so lucky to work with a number of Indigenous professors, um, because that was something I, I didn't have growing up, I didn't have Native teachers. Um, and definitely my, my community and I say community and it's such a broad term, but, you know, I think we have many communities, um, you know, one of mine being the urban native indigenous population in Toronto. That's, that's a community to me and, um, my reserve, like I didn't grow up there, but that's a community to me and I have deep familial ties there. Um, and a lot of my work stems from the, my communities and my mom. And, you know, I just, I try to carry on the work of my ancestors, basically. And I think that is a lot of what makes me who I am. And I think what also makes me who I am is my spirit name, um, which I mentioned earlier. And it's also my Instagram handle, Peaceful Dear Lady. What and the that- same. What does that yeah. mean? What does that mean to what does that mean to you? <laughs> Not to this, is, to, this yeah. is your what does that mean to you? Yeah. Yeah, so it's actually been a lifelong journey of figuring out what that name means because it's not like my my elder uh, ever you know, elders when they tell stories, they don't explain something to you. They tell you a story and you're meant to um, you know, interpret it in your own way, essentially. And I was gifted this name when I was about um, 10 or 12 years old. And at the time, like, we visited my reserve. We went to powwows every year. But I didn't understand the sacredness of this name or the weight that it carried. Um, You know, so it's been a journey of just trying to figure out, like, okay, what does this name mean and what does this name you know, mean to me, how, how am I representing my people like through this name? Um, and I think a lot of native youth struggle with this disconnection, you know, that so many of us have because of colonial policies, like the Indian act. So many of us like don't have native names and, um, don't know like how sacred they are. And, and what these names really are is they actually are um, represent our our purpose in life and um, our our gifts. 
in that we each bring a gift to to the world. We each have a responsibility um, to our community. Um, yeah, we all have a role to play. And I see what's happening with a lot of youth, um, and it's a bit of my history as well, is that for a time, I didn't know who I was. I mean, that's obviously a common uh, thing for youth, but it was like in my early 20s where I really was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't like know what my purpose is. I, I felt like so unworthy. Like I really didn't know what I had to bring to the world, um, which, uh, you know, I went down this dark path of suicide and, you know, that's a, another common thing in our communities well, Native communities, and I think what's missing is this, our connection, our, our language, our cultural, our traditions, that these are the things that tell us who we are. We're, we're missing these things. And so my name is like everything to me because when I really realized that what it was and that it, it was meant to lead me on my path, I understand now that okay, I'm, I'm meant to be where I am and I'm meant to be doing what I'm doing. Like to me, peaceful dear lady, you know, it's, I, it's just to me is to walk in a good way. And I carry the gifts of the deer, which, you know, deer are, are brave and deer are, um, giving, they give them whole, their whole selves to, um, you know, their bodies essentially for, for us to live, for people to live. Um, you know, in indigenous peoples, we use every part of the deer. And so being in a caring position or a caring field like education, I found myself like giving too much of myself away. And so to me, I have to remember to give some things, some things back to myself to, to keep that inner peace so that I'm able to share that joy with other people. Yeah. The, in the peaceful part of it too, of being reflexive, not just towards the outside, but peaceful towards yourself, right? Peaceful towards yeah, like yeah. you remaining intact because you have to, mm -hmm. right? In your role. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, Thank you so much. Thank you so much uh, for that. And, you know, just as about um, identity, you know, and, and who we are and, you know, naming, right? How important yeah. that could be, particularly, yeah. particularly uh, for cultures or the history where, where people don't control the language and they control the name, right? Um, yes. So yeah. Yeah. Right. I think, I think that's pivotal. Um, yeah, again, thanks. For, thanks for that. Uh, you're a big, you're a big uh, reader and uh, thinker. Prior to getting a couple more scripted questions, uh, <laughs> what 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 important books do readers have to look at and listen or listen to right now? Stuff that you've encountered recently, authors mm -hmm. and thinkers. Um, well, the author that started this whole connection between you and I. Uh, 
was Leanne Simpson and her new work, uh, Nupaming, The Cure for White Ladies. Um, I actually haven't read it yet, but I've read some of her other work and um, I've met her in person and I'm, I'm going to put her work out into the world and say that I think her work is pivotal for Indigenous peoples to read because it's, it's that thing that I said, it's like culture being reflected back at you. When she writes, she writes with spirit and she writes using the language. So she, she uses Anishinaabe Moen with English in her writing. And I think when I read her work, it was the first time that I'd ever felt seen um, by anything that I've, I've read before. Um, and another one that, um, I've been, I've been reading and trying to get through is, um, Alicia Elliott's mind spread out on the ground. And the reason why I say trying to get through it is because (laughs) so often I need to put it down and take a breath because it's so heavy there's like this realness and heaviness to it of about the realities of being um, an indigenous person and, and not just indigenous, but a white passing indigenous person and how, how she just is, I think how she was seen as a young kid, like how other kids, didn't really understand her or she never fit into either group because she was both indigenous and white. And a lot of the time throughout my life, like that's how I felt like trying to find this, you know, negotiating different spaces. And, and I think that's really where a lot of indigenous peoples are trying to come to um, like who we are um, without having to make sacrifices for other people. Like I don't, I don't want to make sacrifices for other people anymore around who I am. Um, and that's kind of what I'm learning through these authors. And, um, yeah, I think. Yeah. The Leanne, uh, Simpson, um, her, uh, I'm about a quarter of the way, uh, through the book and, mm-hmm. The energy in her—it's yeah. difficult to describe. I mean, there's sometimes there's mm-hmm. some books I would say I I, I literature is my first love, always will be. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's certain writers where this might sound silly, but what they've written and what they're writing on the page does seems barely to be contained in the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's there's a this brilliant description of it. it it's alive. Like it's a, it's, the, it is. Yeah. The words transcend the page and that that's how I try to write as well. Uh, especially in academic spaces, I'm trying to transcend this like idea of what like an academic research paper is. And that also comes through reading just different books, um, or different literature on, indigenous research and indigenous research methods and what does it mean to research and what does it mean to do it in an indigenous way um and i think that is something that i've learned from that's come out uh, or been the same in all of these across all of these texts is that like 
as indigenous peoples, we bring like our being to our work. So whether it's like beadwork, drawing, painting, writing, we bring our full selves. And so it's so important that we're well, because if we're not, like if I'm, if my spirit isn't feeling well, I can't create, I won't bead or, or I won't write. And, um, I think that's really hard for non-Indigenous peoples to understand, like, especially teachers when they're not understanding of why Indigenous students are late on assignments. Well, first of all, a lot of the stuff we're writing about is personal to us because we write about what's personal. So, and a lot of that has to do with um, our pain, uh, colonialism and trauma and, and just what it takes to read about colonialism and write about colonialism or, you know, and, and, you know, just basically uh, re-experiencing trauma through, through our work and, and trying to, to heal through it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, that, and yeah, and that, and that work in, in, you know, I think that's 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 the part of it with with art for me, and in and, and mm. I've learned a lot from your comments. It's both like in the creation of the art or the experience of an art, and what you can do, mm. like when you have to yeah. put the book down, being like super yeah. important. This book speaks directly to me, but I yeah. am processing trauma and pain, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and because especially the realities of these books are you know, the realities of our, our own lives as Indigenous peoples, because we all experience similar trauma. Well, and I think part of the art, well, again, we, I mean, I know you early on, you had mentioned as far as, you know, like the term art or whether that fits mm -hmm. I and mean, whatever, whatever the term is, whatever the term is uh, for it, it's just this, this way of getting at that that story and narrative and yeah. i think with the like with a simpsons book like yes i'm not going to be able to to connect with certain aspects of the immediacy for the for the culture but the, i talk mm -hmm. about the the just the deep spirit and humanity of what's being expressed right there is very accessible a very accessible mm -hmm. for, for, mm -hmm. for everybody and yeah. i think we just we just end up getting kind of cut into like demographics of you know should a 48-year-old white cis male American enjoy this book? <laughs> Hell yeah, right? right? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, and it doesn't stick out, you know, as much. But, um, yeah, I think some of our experiences within uh, reading um, uh, quite similar. Um, Claire's Wicker, Peaceful Dear Lady, I believe you may have an answer for why is there something rather than nothing. <laughs> I feel like I've um, kind of already touched on this, but yeah, it comes down to, for me, just knowing um, my place in life and knowing that, you know, I am worthy or that I, I have something to give. I have something to share. I have gifts. Um, and that, that is something, um, you know, we, we have voices, we have histories, we have things to share things to say well yes. it's funny because I, I I've thought a lot about this question um, and I I do like to have philosophical um, conversations and um, just I just think I, I try to think of it in terms of you know 
our culture and that, you know, things are alive um, and, and, and the way we see the world and that everything's connected. And how, how, how would it be possible for there to be nothing when we have all of these, like, b billions of connections between organisms and the universe? Yeah. No, I mean, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. No, you, you got it. No, no, we, get, we have the answer in there. It's there. Um, uh, Clear, I was wondering if you could um, share with the audience um, ways to connect with, with you, your work, um, in, in, in any way that you're comfortable with and you'd like mm -hmm. to share with the audience. Yeah, so they can actually connect with me through my Instagram, which is Peaceful Dear Lady Creations. Um, I'm, I don't have a website right now. I'm just selling through my Instagram because I've just started. Um, it's been just a, a short journey, just a few months. I started at the beginning of the pandemic, like I said. So, um, <laughs> And I'm doing all these other things on the side. I'm a teacher. I'm writing my master's thesis. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, that's really where I post all of my things is my Instagram. Um, or they can email me um, at claire.zwicker. So Zwicker is Z-W-I-C-K-E-R-94 at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, you said uh, Zed for an American audience. That is Z. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I've, I've, I've done that after... I've been in England and held on to that word and then said yeah. it. And, uh, it uh, it's like, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I gotta I gotta tell you, um, uh, Claire, it's 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 been great uh, chatting with you and, and and meeting you and and just learning yeah. about, you know, uh, uh, learning a lot. And and I I do say that I do this show and I listen closely and I and I learn a lot. And I just wanted to you know, mention here at the end, um, I, I've appreciated, um, you know, your thoughts, uh, and, and you as a person, as, as an artist, and really just wanted to thank you for taking, I know you're, you mentioned all your various things that you're doing. I know you're super busy, but wanted to thank you for, you know, taking the time and, and, and sharing with the audience, um, uh, about your art and about yourself. Yeah, no, it was great chatting with you, Ken, and um, I'm very thankful for this opportunity. So, uh, big Jimmy Gwetch to you, and uh, I want you to be well. You are listening to something rather than nothing.